The Meet for TCAS is brought to you in part by SoneLab, a recording studio in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Offering recording, mixing, and mastering of all styles of music, we even master podcasts. Email info at sonelab.com for more information. That's info at sonelab.com. That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meet for TCAST. You might always start like that. Who knows? Hello, everybody. Hello. Thanks for joining us. I'm Elizabeth McDuffie. I'm Mark Allen Miller. Strike that. Reverse it. Welcome to the Meet for TCAST. Season 2, episode 18. Yeah. Coming up. Coming up almost on the end of the second year. Oh, no, actually. Boy, we've got... That's right, the first year wasn't a full year even, so the second season's going to be much more than 20 episodes. Get ready for a huge season, guys. That's right, it's going to be... We'll start season three probably in August. Yeah, okay, so there's a lot more season two. A lot more season two to come. We'll let you know. But tonight we bring you less rock, more talk. (laughs) Don't be concerned, because the talk is awesome talk. We were honored to be joined by the very prolific author, John Yamaris, who started publishing his poetry in Meat for Tea all the way back in volume six, when we were still bumpled, bumpled, bumpled. (laughs) <laughs> bumpled and staped. We were, we were bumpled and staped. We were <laughs> bumped and stapled. It was um, the last year before we went to Perfect Bound because that's when we organically discovered that the issues were growing too thick. Yeah, they wouldn't lay flat and, you know, you couldn't get above about 60 pages. in the middle. We've talked about this in previous yeah. podcasts. So, If you haven't heard the previous podcast, go back and listen if this is your first experience. And welcome to the Meet for Tea cast if this is your first listen. Thanks Thank for, you for listening. Yeah. So John Yamaris joins me for a lovely conversation and wonderful reading of his poetry. We're largely talking about his new book, Small Talk, which is brilliant. And also the book that he published just slightly before that, Five Dogs, which is partially memoir partially poetry and the story of the five dogs he and his wife Kathy have owned. Oh, I've got to read that. It, it's charming. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful with lots of photographs of the dogs. It starts with a description of a thing that dogs do, which maybe you've seen a dog do. I'm not even a dog owner. I've seen it. It's <laughs> called the zoomies. Oh, Oh, you know, uh, when your dog's just lying out there in the lawn, it looks like they're chillaxing. Then all of a sudden, yeah, um, they get up. I used to have a phrase for that with my dog. And it was, he calls it the zoomies, and I love zoomies, that. It's sort of like, um, oh, it was like it was like the puppy something. What did I call that? But yeah, where they get up and they just they're just like running around, running around, race around, race around, race around. It's like what cats do at three a.m. You know, they're just basically running the Indy 500 in your house while you're trying to sleep. But when dogs do it, you know, just a random moment in the afternoon out in the sun, it's awful cute. John and I have 
wonderful chat and he reads us pieces from these books and he even reads a piece that he'd not performed before. And we also talk about the one word poem he wrote and you have to listen to find out what that one word poem is. I think it works. I think it's amazing. Spoiler alert, it's sharks. It is not. And you can stay tuned actually for when the next issue of Meat for Tea comes out. There will be several John Yammer's poems, including mm. that too. Excellent. Excellent. And we talk about this Ain't Your Grandma's poetry reading. We talk about everything from making a career as a working writer. John Yammer's has been a working writer for 50 years. Oh. Wow. He's published 34 <laughs> books. Amazing. He's published a ton. We talk about everything from Willie Mays to Groucho Marx to Miles Davis. You might wonder how that all fits into talking with an author of some books. And you'll just have to strap in and find out. Which you're going to do in a moment. Now, this podcast, this particular conversation was not recorded with our usual online technologies. We had Unfortunately, some- um, he had some things on his computer that weren't really compatible with what we generally use. You know, so it was a Zoom chat. And, well, you know, as of this recording right now, as we're talking to you, I still haven't actually tucked in and edited the recording. So I'm apologizing in advance if I can't clean this up to our normal standards, but I assure you that the content will be worth it and I will do my best technical work on this. I bet it's going to sound great, but the proof will be in the pudding. Well, I hope you bear with it if it's not as good as our usual standards, but I'm sure it'll be a listenable and enjoyable time. So perhaps we should maybe get into it. Let's get into it. Here we go with Elizabeth and John Yamaris. Hello. Well, hello again, stranger. We're (laughs) talking. (laughs) I'm officially welcome you to the Meat for Tea cast. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, yeah, I'm really excited about this. I, I, I've i been waiting to talk to you. I guess we did the math and it's probably been 12 years or so since you and I first had contact. My first uh, time is being published in Meat for Tea. So you and I have a bit of a history, uh, but this is actually the first time we've talked so i'm really looking forward to this me too and it seems timely because you have a new book out small talk and you've got a collected volume in the works i do so you've Uh, got tons to talk about and i just did the math Let's see, the the first issue of Meat for Tea that you were published in was Volume 6, Issue 2, Chamomile. So you have been on and off with Meat for Tea for nine years. Nine. Yep, because the magazine um, this past March had its 15th anniversary. Okay. I know. That is something. So, and we are in season two of the podcast. So it's so thrilling to have you here with tons of stuff to talk about. I have, I realized as I was going through my bookcase, I have a small collection of your books, actually. 
I have Alchemy. I'm very proud of that book. I am too, and I wish I could lay hands on it. It's in a box somewhere. Um, older listeners of the podcast, so this is going to be old news. Um, we had a house fire. We're just coming up on the one-year anniversary of the house fire, um, May 9th oh, last wow. year. Yeah, we had great timing, didn't we, in the middle of a global pandemic? Yeah, you and Rachel Ray. Did Rachel Ray have a house fire? I had not heard. Oh, yeah, hey. Her main house burnt down. She's living in her guest house, which which looks like a mansion, a castle. Oh, I'll bet she's not she's <laughs> not short on cash. Yeah, yeah. That's something that she does not have in common with this editor of a small literary journal, <laughs> <laughs> or writers of small books of poetry. Right? Yeah, we don't we don't live in castles. Wow. So, yeah, May 9th last year, we had a house fire which left us displaced from our home for six months. We were able to oh, return yeah. home. Yeah, we returned home November 1st. So we're coming up on the six-month anniversary of returning home, which would make you think that we'd be fully unpacked. But the thing is, all of the packing was done by the cleaning crew. So they had interesting senses of what to put where. Oh, <laughs> you're going to have boxes in closets for decades. I, know I hope right. not, but it's, it's yeah. really something. I, 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 was, I was pleased that I was able to lay hands on punk chapbook number seven with um, the art by Jan Carlson. Is that um, Endure? Punk chat book number seven. Yeah. That, that, that might have been subtitled Endure. It is. It is Endure. That's your one year. That's your one word poem. That's my one word poem. That's Most my, that's my little troublemaker. Yeah. It's great. And, you know, Jan Carlson has continued on submitting artwork to meet for tea all this time. We, we still get images from him. So thanks to you, you started up kind of a relationship with Meat for Tea and Jan Carlson. He's he's pretty amazing and he's really prolific and everything he does is always creative. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He he he's he's a good guy. Uh, he and I did a complete. He did the first illustrations for me in my book, Alchemy. He did six or seven pieces in that book. I remember that. I'm so mad. It, it's probably in, I've got a lot of my books unpacked, but apparently I have a lot of my books not unpacked, and that is among them. Well, we ended up doing a completely illustrated book called As Real As Rain. And um, Ooh, I need to get that one. Oh, it, it, it was really neat. Uh, it was a large format. It was, oh, I, I can't tell you. It was probably nine by 12 pages. Um, oh, nice. And he took older poems of mine, and I I asked him to illustrate them without me explaining what I thought the poems were like, which was worked really interestingly because, you know, it gave me a fresh take on how the reader sees my poems. I, I really liked that book. Oh, that's uh, such was, a cool experiment. 
uh, yeah, it was just nice working with him. And, and we've worked again after that. Um, but yeah. Um, what was the was project five, you did? Seven, seven books ago. Uh, wow. And now we've got this, this new one, small talk, um, Yep. For, for some reason, COVID has made me very active. Good for um, you. Yeah, I've 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 been lucky. Um, back in October, I had a little memoir come out called Five Dogs." I've got uh, that in front of me. I, I purchased copies oh, of Small Talk much. and Five Dogs Five in dogs. preparation. Five Dogs was about the five dogs i I never want to say that we've owned because you share your life and your love with your pets you don't own them i agree i don't like the term own and i am definitely going to get my dad a copy of his birthday is coming up may 22nd he's he's a dog guy you know we're talking about dogs and owning last night we just saw a documentary called my octopus teacher oh yes mark and i watched that god before we watched it from our airbnb before we were able to move back home it's it's amazing isn't it yeah it was really fantastic and so touching yeah if you love animals even octopuses. It was really amazing. But uh, yeah, and, and then Small Talk came out right after Five Dogs. And uh, I seem to be on a bit of a roll. Uh, I've turned 70 and turning that... Uh, Congratulations. You had a birthday in April, right? March. 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 March I turned 70. Happy so, birthday, uh, yeah. belatedly. Small Talk was my... Uh, Publisher's 70th birthday present to me, I guess. I like to think of it as that. And he is appropriate when small talk came out that we lead off the book with my poem approaching. Yes. Well, I, I um watched your, your television spot and got to that, which was which is a delight to listen to and, and got filled in on that story. That that's wonderful because you had a previous book which i think i might even have that bark and oh, the yeah. first yeah the first thing about your books being in boxes is you can't remember what all you own <laughs> until it's out on your shelves where you can see it oh bark, bark was my book of poems about dogs and bark has treated me well that went through several different printings and we'll have another printing coming up uh in the future uh but that for for people who haven't heard the story, Bark uh, was a favorite of my current publishers. And uh, when he accepted Small Talk for publication, he said to me, John, I, I, I love this book, but it'll be a long time before I could get it out into print. But I'll make a deal with you. I've so much loved Bark that if you'll even just think about writing more about you and your relationship to dogs, then I'll take small talk and bump it up a, a little bit. I love that story. And, uh, what a deal. I, I, well, I, I'm not one to run away from a challenge and I ended up thinking about it. And then I actually ended up writing the, 
excuse me, the book Five Dogs in Two Weeks. It's a, it's a short book, but um, still, to say, if, you, if you love something, you, you stick with it. And it took me two weeks to write that short little book. And that came out in October, November. And then Small Talk came out in January. So I've been a lucky man. And an inspired one. Now, do you think, I think it would be accurate to say that you must have had a case of the Zoomies if you got a full book <laughs> written in two weeks. Well, well, that's the, the way. The writing I, Zoomies. <laughs> I, I get focused. And for people who don't have dogs, um, that would be if me. You do have dogs, you know what the zoomies are. If you don't have dogs, you if you see any dog just laying down, standing up and taking off and running like crazy, that's the zoomies, and that's what we were referring to. I but, wish uh, I had dogs. I'm I'm hey, I, I love them, but I'm allergic to them. Oh man. Yeah, although I've got a dream. I mean, you know, there's some low dander breeds and I have Long had a dream of having a couple of Bouvier de Flandre. Do you know what those are? Those great big, no. huge, curly. They're, they're um, Flemish. Well, Flanders, that, there's your hint. They're Flemish sheep herding dogs. They're proper dogs. They're like 100 pounds. Uh. But they're low dander. And I, I just had a dream of owning two black ones, naming them Ampersand and Asterisk. You're talking about Flemish and Flanders. Um, every Memorial Day, my wife, as a carryover from when she was in grade school, when they were forced to memorize and repeat Flanders Fields by uh, John McRae. Oh, yeah. And every year she would recite that poem word for word. And that's just a, a running joke with us. Uh, I don't know what got that. Well, because I mentioned on on that tangent. Yeah, yeah. we like tangents on the Meat for Tea cast. I like seeing where conversation organically goes without me directing it too much. That's why I, and probably why you never work with a, not not a script, but an outline and why I did not want to do with an outline. No, no. Conversation is kind of like, you know, jazz. Uh, yes. it, should go, it should go where it goes. I mean, it may not go where you want it to end up, but that's okay. Just let yeah. It- well, we've done every single episode of the Meat for Tea cast that's involved a conversation. Um, it's It's been that way. It's never been scripted. It's never been an outline. We just sit down and let it rip. And let things come up and let tangents happen and see where we end up. And I, I kind of like the journey of discovery. Who knows where you're going to end up? It's more fun than reaching the end of a bullet pointed list and like, oh, we ended up there. That seems kind of boring to me. Okay. Let me throw this in here. The, sure. The, the obvious thing, because, you know, people always ask, the guest who's a writer of poetry to read something from the newest book. Yes. And since I turned 70, the obvious thing would be for me to read my poem approaching 70. But as I was sitting here 
as I was sitting here going through the book, I opened it up to a different page. And if <laughs> I if I may, I'd like to read whatever page that opened to. Now, I know what it is because I, I have the book open in front of me. But let's not read Approaching 70. May I read something? Would you please? Okay. Since... It, no, I'm not reading now. I'm just talking. But it, since I have had a long career, I've been publishing for 50, going on 52 years now I've been publishing. But this poem is called, I Think. I think I was 28 at the time and was in California to do some readings and promote this really bad novel I had just published. And the publisher put me up at a place called Sally's Motel, somewhere out in Long Beach. Sally's had this little U-shaped courtyard that surrounded the pool, which was empty except for the cracks and the weeds and the dirt and the shame. And my room had two grimy beds and a TV with a coat hanger antenna. Sally's was on its last legs back then, and I'm sure Sally was too. And um, there actually was a Sally, and she looked just like you'd have pictured her, with the bleached blonde hair and the cigarette jammed between her bright red lips. And the lobby looked like every other lobby in every other sad motel. It was, it was just this little hole of a room, and just behind the room, you could see where Sally lived. And the TV was on and the whole place smelled of whiskey, smoke, and some poor old dopes, broken, shattered dreams. Mm, thank you for that. And well, well, then let me let me go back to the obvious and then read, follow that up with one more poem. Yes, please. Approach, I'll read that approaching 70 since I am 70 now. Um <laughs> Approaching 70, at this point in the game, I guess I'm supposed to be writing things like Sands at 70. The end is near and owed to my lost and misspent youth. But, but I get the feeling that I just ain't done yet. Not by a long shot. So give me what you got. I'm tough. I can take it. Go ahead, I Double dog dare you. Love it. So that's two pieces from my small talk. Uh, this is a, a very delightful read. I, yeah, I, I'm glad you enjoy it. Very um, much. It's going to be a big year for me. Like, as you're aware, I've got a, uh, a massive volume of selected poems coming out later. I'm excited for that. Me too. I, I I really am. It's a big retrospective of, I don't want to call it the best of because I haven't written anything good yet, but uh, <laughs> you're uh, waiting. better things <laughs> uh, of my pieces from over my 52 years as a, a working writer. I think you've written plenty of good things because I don't publish anything bad, but... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's right. And you have published some of my work. Thank you. Oh, yes. No. Grateful to have uh, it. Your your listeners um, who may be new to me, uh, who may be aspiring writers, um, 
I guess the obvious question is, how did you get started? And uh, for me, the answer might be a little different than what most people have as an answer. And my answer is I lied my way into the business. Nice. Um, years ago, years I was probably 18, 19, something like that, uh, with my best friend Rick. And we were both aspiring writers, and we drank a lot of cheap vodka back then. And we would always complain how publishers would always say, uh, where have you been published? Where else where have you been published? Or what awards have you won? And of course, nobody ever let us in, never gave us a chance. So we were never published before and never won any awards. So um, one night, Rick and I, it had to be two o'clock in the morning, and we were walking, or I was walking him towards his house. We lived about four blocks away from each other. And uh, we had this, we just finished off this bottle of pop-off vodka. Oh, boy. I know what that is. Okay, very I keep something that cheap under my sink for cleaning house with. (laughs) Had to be six bucks a bottle back then. It had probably still is. Sombrero sombrero for a lid. Little little tan sombrero for a lid. And we just finished off the last slug of that bottle of pop-off vodka after complaining about that we had not been published. And Rick looked up at the uh, street signs. And this is a true, honest-to-God story. He looked up at the street sign, the corner of Oliver and Wakefield Streets, and he handed me very formally, handed me the bottle of pop-off vodka and said, I award you the Wakefield Prize. <laughs> gave me the bottle of vodka. I took it and went home and fell asleep. The next morning, I uh, rode off to a very prominent poetry magazine out in the midwest which one do you recall i i'm not going to tell you I'm okay going to tell it's going to be a surprise um, out in the midwest and uh, this is what 1970 and uh, i wrote to the editor saying that uh, i'd like to submit some poems i've recently been awarded the prestigious wakefield prize for poetry <laughs> and would you please consider some of my work i sent the work off i forgot about it Three weeks later, uh, I get this thing back in the mail from the editor saying, I looked over your poems. I heard about you recently winning the Wakefield Prize. Congratulations. (laughs) And I'd like to accept some of your work into our magazine. And that's the true story of how I got my first publication Oh, I got my foot in the door and how I lied myself into 50 years as a writer. Oh, I love it. Thanks so much for that. That's, and so who called whom's bluff? <laughs> it's like, that's so funny. The editor just didn't know <laughs> and they weren't going to be found out as not being aware of all the literary prizes out there. Yeah, he, he didn't want to admit that he didn't know. So he took my stuff and uh, I was off to the races. So it, I guess we all won. It's a clever mouse trap. <laughs> <laughs> Letting someone walk in with their ego. I like that you give advice to young authors. I don't remember where I saw this. It might have been in the book I Can't Lay Hands On, in Alchemy, but to 
have that day job to, to be able to paint a house or unclog a drain or do some carpentry, but just have, have something you can do to keep the rent paid. I've been doing this, like I said, a long time. Uh, I've had, now I'm, I'm very, I don't want to say anal, but I, 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 I like to keep order to most writers of poetry are not very organized. See? I get the impression that they seem to think that being a poet gives you license to be unprofessional. Mm-hmm. I see it just like any other work, job, or profession that you have to treat it with all the seriousness that it requires. So I, I keep very strict records that I've had uh, just over 2,500 pieces published in magazines over the years. And that has wow. from from treating this job like a day job and being very serious and conscientious about what I do. And when, when kids always ask me, you, you know, what's the one best piece of information, uh, best hint I could give, that's what I always tell them. Take the job seriously. Don't take yourself seriously. Be able to laugh at yourself and the work, but take your task seriously. But not, not to take myself seriously. Let me read something from that book, Alchemy. Oh, please do. Boy, I wish I had it under my hands. I'll be reunited with it soon enough, I hope. Oh. <laughs> um, this poem is called She Was Living Proof. She was living proof that good news travels fast and bad news even faster. Not being able to love fully, she considered it time well spent if she stayed with the guy for a couple of weeks. But that wasn't the case with Harry. She'd been with him all summer, and it showed no signs of letting up. Harry, Harry was smart, though. He knew it wouldn't last. Sooner or later, something was bound to drive her away. It's true, he thought. The bloom was off that rose a long, long time ago. Still, whenever he came home and saw her car, he knew he'd made it through another day. And for some, the little victories are what often matter most. So brilliant. I'm often reminded of Zen koans when I read your poetry. Well, you're, you're familiar with, with the, the, the oh, Zen. For, for sure. Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think they have that same sort of, they, they, they cause in the reader a perceptual shift. Well, okay. Okay. Um, I always want my poems to work on two levels. I love that. People to, to, to get them on an immediate, you know, aha level. And I want them later on when they're sitting on the can reading a magazine to go, hey, wait a second. Did he actually mean what I think he meant? Yes. So I, want, I want the poems to work on two levels. And that's why in recent years, many of them are very, very, very short. Uh, I can't think of an example of one of the short ones right now, but one of the shorter ones is on the back cover of the new book. And it's called If. 
And it reads, if you are the first of us to die, how will I ever laugh again? It just says it all. Um, yeah. Here's another short one. Is this still, is this also from Small Talk? Which book is this one from? Um, I Admit Nothing. Um, nice. <laughs> Nor do Landon I. got <laughs> drunk on a gallon of MD 2020 and spent the night on the kitchen floor looking for Van Gogh's other ear. <laughs> That's brilliant. I wrote a poem about Van Gogh and his ear ages ago. Wish I could lay hands on it. It's it, the poem was called. It's I, I wrote it in a form. It's a pontoon, and it was called Prozac for Van Gogh. <laughs> and the final line was no amputating an ear. And I wish <laughs> I could find it, but <laughs> it was all you know. If Van Gogh had been alive today, he'd not be allowed to suffer. His nerves would be given a buffer. <laughs> Just and it went on. Bit of doggerel, possibly. Oh, doggerel. I don't say dogs to me. I love my dogs. Uh, did you see? Oh, obviously, you saw the cover of uh, the, the front. End oh, yes. Five dogs. This that's, is Stella. That's Stella. That's She's beautiful. She's 55 pounds of crazy and, and, and sweetness. And see, on the, what, is, on the she, what cover, is she? What breed is she? She looks like she's she, a golden doodle. See, now that's a dog I could own. That's a low dander breed. I could pat her yes. and everything. Yes. Low dander, lots of love, lots of activity. I love how she's just completely eclipsing you. She's just like on the back cover, just standing well, well, right in front of your face. <laughs> she actually, in that picture, she was terrified of thunder. So you were her and comfort. I was her comfort. So Aww. she was on my lap because she couldn't get any closer to me. And people Cutie. see that picture and think she's, as you say, trying to eclipse me. And she's just trying to become me. Yes, it does. Uh, Lean in for comfort. That picture, that picture reminds me of that scene in that that my octopus teacher, where where the octopus and, he, and I got tears in my eyes when I saw. Oh yeah, the octopus came and sat on his chest. Wasn't that sweet? Oh, uh, that that was really really amazing. I don't know how anybody could not cry watching that movie. Uh, here's here's. One quick one, and I don't want to turn this into a... Oh, I don't uh, mind. You and, and, and then he wrote type of thing, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying sharing some of these things. I'm enjoying I'm having you. Um, and this is some... I haven't... I don't think I've ever read this one publicly, but let's do Yay. it. Yay. Let's please. He chose... He chose to do his suffering in grand style, starting off with beer in the morning, then the good wine as the afternoon and the memories kicked in. And toward evening, he switched to Grey Goose and finished the night with his good old friend Tequila. It wasn't much, but it was all he had. Besides, when the checks came, they covered the rent and the goose and every now and then even the food. The poems he wrote got worse and worse and worse. Eventually, the mail stopped 
coming and there was absolutely nothing on TV. Wow. Which which book? That's from Small Talk. And I finally found one of those little little poems that you and I were trying to talk about and paging here and and talking to you. I found one. It's only seven words. And it says, how were we to know we were happy? That one's perfect. Thank you. I think one of the shortest ones is this, which I also love. I don't have that with E in front of me. Uh, but he, here's another short one. And then let me let me talk about how these short things came about and why yes. they came about. That would be brilliant. One short one. Thank you. All it takes is time and time will take it all. <laughs> and and the short things. To me, even when we we're kids growing up, the definition of poetry or the loose definition of poetry is saying as much as you can with as few words as you can. And years ago, I kind of, as a writer, reached an impasse. And I, I, I didn't know which direction to take. And I wrote a poem that was kind of like my big aha moment. And the poem, I don't have it in front of me, but I have it by memory. The poem reads, write a poem about that, she said, sitting on the edge of the bed, smiling. Now, years before this, years before I wrote that, I would have gone crazy trying to describe the bed, the room, and whatever that was. But the night I wrote that poem... It flashed in my head that, wait a second, the reader has much more power than I do. The reader can describe in their own head whatever that is. And I could describe it as the writer. I could describe it once. But this description is multiplied by X times the number of readers that read this poem. And all of a sudden... Things exploded because the power of that one poem, that one line, was multiplied times the number of readers that the poem had. And all of a sudden, I thought, wait a second, the more, the better I get at inviting the reader to participate in the poem, the better the poem works and the easier my job becomes. And from that time on, I was really set free as a and I you know I had been publishing at that point probably for 30 years but it was only then when I started to finally learn what I was doing and know how to write that's a heck of an epiphany it really was it really was that's why I can remember that poem word for word and I normally don't remember crap uh, but that one I remember word for word because it was so strong and vivid and so important to me. It's also just important for poets, maybe not just poets, poets, artists, musicians to understand what the viewer, the reader, the audience brings to their pieces and to leave room. It's, it's, you know, 
paying attention to things like that. You know, people ask me, who were your influences? Who taught you the most about writing? And, um, you know, I I used to say uh, Willie Mays and Groucho Marx, and people would laugh (laughs) and say, why Willie Mays? Willie Mays, because Willie Mays taught me joy. Groucho Marx, because Groucho Marx taught me just to be crazy, to be off the wall. I love that. I think the biggest influence for me as a writer was Miles Davis. And why Miles Davis? Miles Davis learned as a musician to take advantage of silence. Yes. Negative space. It's so important. You got it right. It it is so important. And musicians, writers, you want to say it all. You want to throw it all out there. You want to show how good you are. And you're very good by knowing when to keep quiet. Yes. Giving that audience, whether they be a reader, a viewer, a listener, a chance to enter in and to interact with the piece. Yeah. So very important. I'm just thinking about that wonderful Miles Davis piece, All Blues. Oh, kind of blue, you mean? No, I'm thinking of all... No, the song, All Blues. All Blues off the album. Uh, little little snapshot. I'll have to send you a photograph of our living room. My, my husband and I have an enormous collection of LPs, vinyl. Probably oh, like yeah, I'm, yeah, 2000 I, I some odd. Vinyl, but um, if you guys know Miles Davis, and it's... We do. We do. Oh, yeah. I have 163 Miles Davis CDs. Woohoo. I have all That's the impressive. official ones. And I've got, you know, since he died, uh, they've released countless concert albums, and I've got all of those. So, yeah, I have 163 Miles Davis CDs. And Kathy says, when I croak finally, all 163 are going to go in the coffin with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have something to listen to in the afterlife. That's right. That you win. Bruce and and I'll have I'll be the big winner. Yeah, you definitely will. You will not be bored. No matter what the afterlife consists of, you'll be well entertained. But yeah, that Mister Davis, he knew what to do with a bit of silence. What was his What was his famous quote? Um, no, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, but he talked about anybody could be a musician, but to, to really play, it's it's 10% knowing the notes and 90% attitude. Yes. No, I, and I also like I, how you I could gave, talk about Miles Davis. Talk about Miles Davis a little bit more. I could talk about Miles Davis, too. I love Miles Davis. It, I, we saw that documentary. That was really neat. We saw it in the theater. Uh we, we saw it in the theater, uh, and just before it came on, they had a, a a jazz band playing in the theater live, and it was just cool. so cool. It, yeah, that, that that was really good. I, I, I think we have to watch our time here because we're getting we there. started at 25 after. Yeah, we're, we're probably at about 40 minutes now. Oh, that's right. Zoom. Zoom time's out. Zoom time's out after 45, I think. That's why I like Zencaster. We could just talk forever. Because <laughs> I was going to get you to talk about, well, I love that you gave Groucho Marx as shoulders you stand on and influence you count. Because 
when I write a poem, sometimes I feel like the craft of writing a good poem is not too far apart from writing a good joke. You've got to have that twist. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? And you do that in your poems. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. Okay, we were talking about Miles. Groucho Marx. Miles Davis. Yes. uh, you know, I, I wrote a poem in which I, I mentioned Willie Mays and Groucho Marx. And, yes. and I got this email from um, a, a student who she might have been in Sweden at the time. And, you know, I forget that it, that I'm 70 and most most people don't know Groucho Marx and people like that who were big in the 30s and on the wane in the 40s. And Groucho Marx, people like that. It really kills me that people aren't aware of their genius, their artists. Me too. Me too. And I'm I'm 58 and I'm perfectly well aware of Groucho Marx. I don't think you need to be a certain age. Like he's just, he's important to know about. The right word. You use the right word, aware. You know, I hear people say, I don't know that movie. It came out before I was born. Big deal. Make yourself aware of things. Exactly. uh, Silent movies came out before I was born, but I love silent movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, film noir came out before I was born, but I love film noir. There's something to Van Gogh was born before. He certainly was. He was dead before you were born, too. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, if you just if you just corral yourself to that little box of, of what's around you right now, you're being stupid and, and oh. not playing the game right. Shortchanging yourself. Definitely. Changing yourself. Definitely. Uh, I, I, while, while we were having our little bit of a break here, uh, I found a poem in Small Talk. Oh, yay. Uh, that I wanted to read. Please and, do. Uh, it's very short. I did this on a TV show a couple of weeks ago. I thought the host was going to uh, throw something at me, but I, I read this one. It's called Puke Green. Oh, I love this one. Puke Green was his favorite color. It was also his favorite word or words if you wanted to get technical about it. Anyway, it was kind of sort of fitting that he had already turned his favorite color that Sunday morning when they found him face down under the Penn Street Bridge. Love that. And again, like I think about crafting a poem and crafting a joke and there's that logical turn right before the end. Jokes have punchlines and poems have a twist. You know, if you, People, I, I love the songs. Now, people laugh. I, I love Taylor Swift's way of approaching a song. Hmm, she does that same thing with her words. She starts a song one way, and the same words at the end of the song mean something entirely different and entirely new. And that's a really interesting and 
intelligent way for her to write. And it, let me get, get off the Taylor Swift subject here. Here's another poem from Small Talk. And uh, I like reading love poems. Here's a love poem from Small Talk. It's called mm-hmm. After the Rain. After the rain, reading Kerouac, listening to Cole Porter, playing quiet in the room. There's even birds singing outside the window. The only thing missing here is you. Ah. Poems don't have to say a lot. You know, that was a mistake I made as a, as a young writer. A mistake most writers make. And some grow out of that mistake and learn from it. And some never grow out of that. But uh, um, I always wanted to just illuminate the little things in life with my poems. You know, that stupid hair inside your nose that keeps growing back that you got to <laughs> pluck all the time. I wanted to, to I wanted to be the Walter Brennan of poetry. Nice. Uh, if you remember Walter Brennan, he was a character actor who is now considered a, a great of sorts actor, not because he had one great role, but because he filled so many roles and did it so well for so long. And that's that's the way I've approached my career. And that ties into that famous or infamous one word poem of mine called Endure. And that yes. off a lot of people and it it interested a lot of people. But for me, that one word poem uh, kind of sums up my career and my philosophy towards my writing, which is to endure to keep doing it day after day after day to endure. And, you know. I'm happy to say that after 51 years of doing this, I'm still doing it. You have endured for sure. I, I, I find also like you say poems don't have to do a lot and I agree with you, but there's kind of a less is more thing, right? Like I, I've always been a, a, a fan of that. Uh, it, 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 The trick is knowing what not to say. Again, that goes back to Miles Davis, knowing the notes not to play. If for a writer, it's being able to use the white spaces on the page Mm -hmm. as just another tool in your bag. Uh, It it used to bother me that that there was so much white spaces in my book, my books. And it used to bother me, but it doesn't bother me anymore Mm -hmm. because that's... Just part of the book, part of what I'm trying to convey is that silence, that simplicity to the work. I don't want to presume, but I I feel like even in your title, small talk, you're kind of alluding to that idea, right? Just just ideas encapsulated in not maybe a lot of space. Yeah, and not Maybe it's not the right word, but it, for me, it's a it's a dichotomy. This mm-hmm. this little good small word. mundane, every little things that matter so much. Uh, well, people attribute the quote to so many different people. Some say it's Michelangelo, some say it's someone else. But you know, God is in the details. That oft <laughs> bandied around quote. 
And I think Michelangelo did say, I know this could be properly attributed to him, that if you would know God, draw a knuckle. And doesn't that just say so much? Like a knuckle. What is a knuckle? It's just this like little, you know. Yeah. And most people won't get the 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 depth of what that means. What do you mean draw a knuckle? Draw it means so much. Knuckle. First of all, try to do it. Something great. Yeah. Try to do it. Something great. Exactly. Exactly. In any case, before we leave off, let me read one more poem that'll be in my my selected poems coming out. Ooh, I'm excited for that. And when is that coming out? That's October, November? Oh, maybe sooner. I really, I really can't say for now, but uh, we're we're on the home stretch of putting it all together. Just you know, go to John Yammer's page on Amazon or go to my Facebook, and uh, I'm not ashamed to to advertise whenever I have new work out. But oh, if you didn't, I would have encouraged you to. <laughs> <laughs> Most assuredly. Case, let me read this one little stupid poem. And it's called Silly Me. Nice. Silly Me. I'm a pack rat. I save everything. Yeah, I must have at least 253 pens saved, you know, just in case. I've got um, bits and pieces of cable wire and connectors and curtain rods from windows in an old apartment and dried flowers and bricks and bits of boards. I've even got tacked up on the wall right in front of me right now, a veterinary appointment card from a dog that died two years ago. God, I love that dog. I love that poem. And it's so funny. You you read my mind. I was going to ask you to read something from five dogs. And you did. This is one of the, is this the last poem? This is the last poem in Five Dogs. That, that is. That's the last page in Five Dogs. Yep. And uh, there's pictures of my five dogs. Oh, my goodness. They're, they're so lovely. They're so cute. <laughs> oh, God. They were all so different, all so unique. And, and, and that's the beauty of dogs. Uh, don't, don't get me started. But the, the book is called Five Dogs. It's on Amazon. And the other one, Small Talk, is also on Amazon. And uh, the upcoming one will also be on Amazon. Nice. For anybody who, who wanted to contact me or reach out to me, you, you hit me up on Facebook and, and we can talk. I think that's how I reached out to you initially. I think I saw you reading something like, I'm going to ask him to send some stuff to me for tea. You did. Yep. I figured, you know, the worst thing that could happen is you say no. And when people say no, I say next. So, (laughs) well, thank you so much, John. Is there anything else you want to tell the readers? Anything you want to plug that you've got coming up before we say goodnight? Oh, God, no. You gave me such a great opportunity. I can't ask for anything more. Oh, I was thrilled to have you. Thanks so much for coming on. So wasn't that great? That was terrific. That was really terrific. Such a wonderful conversation. So much fun. If you're wondering how to support Meet for Tea and keep the publication and the podcast thriving, the, the best thing you can do is subscribe. Subscribe to Meet for Tea. Wouldn't you like to have Meet for Tea showing up in your mailbox once every quarter? Without the magazine, there would be no podcast. 
But if you enjoy the podcast, you can support the magazine. You don't even have to subscribe, although we really love it when you do. You can buy individual issues. PDFs are $5. You can also get print issues, including back issues. And if you go to the Meet for Tea buy page and you see an issue that you might want that's a PDF and it's not listed in the back issues list, we might have it. Maybe we have a bunch of back stock. It's odds and ends, but you can always email us and request a particular print copy if we have it. We'll be happy to send it to you. We also just want to hear from you. Is there content you'd like us to put on the podcast we haven't yet? Again, was there a circ you missed that you wish you could virtually attend or a circ you attended that you're feeling right. deep nostalgia for? You know, there's something about during a pandemic listening to some of the Cirque material and hearing an audience listening to spoken word gather in a space kind of gives a sense of going to a show. Yeah, you should actually go back. If you haven't heard one of the Cirque episodes, go back and look for one of the episodes that features Cirque in some form in the title, and that content was derived from one of our release parties. I like the one right before this one, Le Guerrier Cirque. Exactly. Season 2, episode 17. So there's live music and spoken word from those past recordings of those shows in a lot of episodes. If you were at a show that we haven't featured yet and you would like to hear it, well, let us know. Hit us up. You can also leave us a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash Please do. We love to hear your voices on the podcast. We've been able to feature a few. We'd love to have more. And also it would really help us out a lot. You would leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps the numbers well, as well. Well, the five-star review with some writing mm-hmm. actually helps us get seen. It helps people find out where we are. Makes us easier to find. You can find us on Facebook, both Meet for Tea and Meet for Tea cast pages. You can also just record a voice memo on your phone and email it to meetforteacast at gmail.com, which is a great way to get in touch with us about anything but again you can find us on facebook regarding those things well you should also um follow the meat for tea and the meat for tea cast pages on facebook like mark was saying look for elizabeth on twitter and you can follow meat for tea on instagram you will see a lot of cool things including often photos of the bread i bake every week if you're curious about that Mm. sourdough bread it's good. It's from a 50-year-old starter. And uh, I can I can speak from personal experience. She's really good at baking bread. I've got some going in the fridge right now. It's having its overnight cold proof. When was the Autolise? The Autolise was at 4.15. Yes, I love that word. It sounds so ominous. It sounds medical or something. Well, you can say it like the French Autolise, or you can say Autolise, which a lot of Americans do, but... That still sounds kind of ominous, too. All it is is the starter and the flour and the water hanging out together before you add the salt. Ah. And see, you all stuck around to the end, and now you learned something. Isn't that fun? Unless you're sourdough <laughs> bakers, and which you're like, I knew that already. Yeah, duh, Mark. Come on. Anyhow, thanks again for joining us for another episode of... of the meat for tea cast we will be back in a couple weeks with a fresh one and if you can't wait i'm sure there's a back episode you haven't heard yet so you can always go check Why those you go out catch up with that whole back catalog i do it with podcasts i go back and if i find a one i really like i'll oftentimes 
Sorry, I will. Beginning. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll search. I'll, I'll, I'll go all the way to the beginning and listen through an order. So great. Thanks so much. We're going to sign off and we'll catch you again really soon. See you in a couple weeks. The Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea, The Valley Review. Mixed by Mark Allen Miller at Sewn Lab, East Hampton, Massachusetts. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com, or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeth, Meat for Tea on Instagram and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.